step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Welcome to Local Voices, I'm Brad Ford. This week, a new organization called Reimagine Oregon has emerged to move forward the issues of racial equity. Portland City Council is sending a measure to voters that will change police oversight. And the Rose Festival finally has a queen. A new organization is taking the lead to bring an end to racism in Oregon. It's called Reimagine Oregon. Kali Thorne-Ladd with Kairos PDX explains what they've been doing. We are in a moment in time that should make all of us pause and take notice. The oppression of Black people, and really any people, has focused on taking away our humanity, a devaluation of our worth. And this was true from the founding of this country, and it remains true today. And this is what we protest for. And it's no surprise that the federal government is using dehumanizing tactics even now to quiet our protest. The late and great John Lewis also marched in peaceful protest for our civil rights and had his head bashed in with a club. Tear gas, batons, troops, the scenes of racism at work here are all too familiar and all too recent. Let us not have the violence of federal troopers today and their bullying actions blind us though to the purpose and power of protest coupled with decisive action. And that is what brings us all here today. Decisive action. We are here for reimagining. We are here to breathe humanity into lives for too long that have been deemed dispensable. We are reimagining what the valuation of Black lives looks like for Oregon. Oregon, this is your chance. Now is your chance to prove that Black lives matter in a tangible and an actionable way. We are bringing solutions and policy changes that will yield long-term outcomes for Black people. Policy changes and proposals that address issues of education and ending the school to prison pipeline, healthcare and the injustices that impact not just our quality of life, but our lifespan. Economic development and the extraction of wealth from our community that deepens inequality generation after generation. The ongoing barriers to employment and home ownership. The carceral system that claims the lives of three to six times more black men and women than anyone else. The list goes on and on. Black lives matter. The policies and practices that have destroyed our humanity or rendered us invisible can exist no more. They can be tolerated no more. And so we here today believe we can do better. We, meaning all of you, Oregon. And this is a critical step in the right direction. Today, we have a tangible opportunity to let go of the lethal doses of racism that have poisoned our past and blaze a new trail predicated upon seeing our humanity and strengthening the crooked line 
towards justice so that we all can thrive. So let this be a marker, let this be history in the making. And if we do it right, our children will look back and say, this was the year that black lives started to matter here in Oregon. And Ken Gay Harmon Johnson with the Urban League of Portland says some progress has already been made, but there's much more to do. Earlier this summer, uh, the governor called a special session to take action on police reforms. Uh, if you've been following uh, the news, you will have noticed uh, that the legislature worked on banning chokeholds, banning breathing restrictions. Uh, that work is better, but not quite done. So we have it in our almost done category. Um, the legislature created the duty to report and the duty to intervene for law enforcement officers. In other words, we saw what happened to Mr. Floyd and we saw how many police officers stood around and watched while he was murdered. Uh, in Oregon, that would no longer be lawful. It's hard for me to say that, right? Because it would still be terribly immoral, but it also would be unlawful at long last. Uh, disclosing disciplinary records to the public, that's House Bill 4207. Uh, a new bill that our legislature passed into law during the special session so that we can know which officers have had uh, issues in the past and they can't simply hop from organ jurisdiction to organ jurisdiction um, undiscovered. Uh, prohibiting arbitration from lessening disciplinary action. That was Senate Bill 1604. Those of you, again, who've been following these issues for years, uh, as has this group, know that often officers, uh, when, even when officers are disciplined uh, in those, those cases, um, often arbitration will overturn um, those decisions. So nothing, in fact, uh, happens to hold officers accountable for bad behavior. Senate Bill 1604 seeks to make that different. So those are some uh, things that are done, um, or nearly done, in uh, the state of Oregon. There's some other things that are likely to happen and we'll talk about when they're likely to happen as well. You'll recall that Katrina said we asked for specifics because for years we have heard, oh yes, these issues are very important to all of us and we'll get to them. Uh, for this work, we wanted specific timeframes when things were going to happen and when they were likely to happen so that we can hold lawmakers accountable. In the likely to happen category uh, for special session, uh, for the next special session, and we think that there uh, is likely to be one this summer or early fall, we'll have to see how that shakes out. Um, but demil demilitarizing the police, banning the use of tear gas, banning the use of sound cannons that we've heard regularly in the streets of Portland, banning the use of flash brain grenades or pepper spray against any person. Uh, right now that's legis legislative concept 72. Uh, and if you're paying attention to what's happening in downtown Portland, you'll know how important um, it is to ban the use of tear gas, how important it would be to ban the use of sound cannons. Um, I think just today it was reported that a case that had been filed against city of Portland by someone who lives in downtown Portland because tear gas had been seeping into her apartment, causing her uh, health to be harmed. Um, it's not just about people who are protesting, it's about homeless people. It's about people who live in the communities where tear gas is being used. So that's an important LC that we look forward to seeing proceed. Uh, likely to happen in legislative session 2021, uh, decriminalization of fair evasion by removing it as a misdemeanor. Uh, prohibiting the use of fair vision as a means for a warrant search. Uh, feel free to do some uh, research on that issue, but you'll find that law enforcement encounters black and brown people very often um, through the pretext of investigating fair invasion, uh, evasions and then uses it to continue the engagement. The governor has created a task force that will deliver a bill in 2021 that will help us to further reform law enforcement uh, in our state. 
Uh, also in 2021, we will revisit legislation that Senator Winters previously put forward. And that was about legalized slavery in the constitution of our state. Imagine it's still there. Um, some other issues that are top level and I wanna highlight um, from our le state legislature and from our executive branch have to do with investments. Um, one of the things that's well on its way uh, and I wanna check the box and say that it's done, uh, invest in culturally specific mental health care healing centers and support centers like the Avell Gordley Center for Healing with significant funding from public health agencies and the city at the city and state levels. Uh, it's tremendously important because when we talk about black lives matter, we mean complete and whole persons, not merely to do with the police, not only to do with education, not only to do with jobs, but whole beings. Um, likely to happen in the next 30 to 90 days, uh, establishing community-led work group that will reimagine community safety alternatives. Policy proposals will be deliberated for 2020 and 2021 uh, and beyond. I think we'll talk more about that a little bit later, uh, but there's a funding ask around that policy proposal because y'all, while we talk about the need to defund the police and how to build a real community public safety system in our communities, all of us have lived and grown up in this system. It's hard to imagine what our lives could be like under true public safety. So it's going to take some time, it's going to take some engagement, and it's gonna take some dollars. So I know that there's also a funding ask of $2.5 million to support that work. The state legislature and the emergency board has allocated $62 million of incoming federal uh, assistance for the Black COVID Relief and Resiliency Fund. While it has not yet been funded, the dollars have been allocated and we look forward to that being done any day now. Uh, and that will further establish a culture specific relief fund for African-Americans uh, in our state who have been hard hit by this pandemic and have been underserved by the, our state and our counties. Long-term planning for legislative session 2021. Uh, we're looking for funding for culturally appropriate maternal health programs. Black community health workers and doula programs that are critical to black wellness. These programs should include pregnancy, health and prenatal care, birthing assistance and family supports for new parents learning to care for their new infants. We're also looking for investments in stronger fair housing testing. Some years ago, uh, our state gave up on fair housing testing and recently has reinvigorated it. We need far more dollars in investment and infrastructure surrounding that um, so that Oregonians can be protected against fair housing violations. And that work falls under Boley. There are other highlights that I would love to share because it's exciting work uh, that the Urban League is working on, that our partners are working on. Uh, but right now I want to hand things over to uh, Governor Brown, who's gonna say a few words about the work that the state has been engaging thus far and what we can expect from the state next. Thank you, Nikenge. Um, appreciate everyone uh, being here this morning. And I'm gonna talk about uh, process as opposed to policies this morning. It's been incredibly important for me to participate in this process that my office be at this table so that we can all work together to forge a better path forward. Um, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I certainly count myself as one of the many white politicians whose good intentions haven't done enough to tackle the scourge of systemic racism. Certainly we passed juvenile justice reforms last year, but it took too many years for us to get it done and we must go further. Yes, we are engaged in justice reinvestment to reduce harsh prison sentences and reinvest the savings in crime prevention and drug treatment. 
but we are truly only scratching the surface. And we are sitting here today amidst a global pandemic that has sickened and killed Black, Latinx, Pacific Islander, and other communities of color at disproportionate rates. Racism and these racial disparities impact every part of our culture and our economy. And the pandemic has further exacerbated these disparities. We need to change how we listen to, engage with, respond to, and support Black, Indigenous, and people of color and tribal members here in the state of Oregon. That means a lot more listening and a lot more learning. And for me, it means centering racial equity as I build the state budget, centering racial equity as we develop our 2021 legislative agenda, as we recruit and promote people in state agencies and our boards and commissions. Very excited to partner with the community leaders on this call to cultivate a new narrative for Oregon and truly co-create a better future for Oregon, for everyone together. Thank you. You can learn more about the group's plans on their website, reimagineoregon.org. Portland City Council approved a resolution this week that'll send a measure to voters in November to change the police review process in Portland. The measure was sponsored by Commissioner Joanne Hardesty. Derek Bradley is Commissioner Hardesty's policy director and he explains the process. If this is passed and referred to the voters, in the month of August, I will be drafting and coordinating with other areas of city government explanatory statement that will appear on the ballot in, our, in the voter pamphlet st statement. After that, September and October will involve community input and other input from commission offices around a follow-up implementing ordinance that would establish a commission. And this commission would meet for an extended period of time and they would hash out all the details needed to build up a new institutional organization. So this implementing ordinance will be sort of creating a mission statement for this commission. And that'll pass shortly after the election in November should the voters vote to uh, support and authorize this new police accountability system. After that, the commission will work as a community-driven entity with some support from City Hall. I, th I think she's able to answer questions, but it's not gonna be led and driven by uh, members of commission offices. And they will eventually return at the end of their tenure with a final um, council or code change packet that will then be considered by council. And upon adoption of that, will begin the execution of a transition plan, which they will have mapped out ahead of time, sort of flip the switch into create into beginning this new um, board. It is it's gonna be a lengthy process, but it's gonna be lengthy because we're gonna make sure with the lucky land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For that we figure out any questions that are remaining, any challenges, confusion, get the definitions we need, the organizational structure we require to make this successful. And so that when it begins operating, 
it's coming from a very strong foundation. Portland City Auditor Mary Hull Caballero currently oversees the Independent Police Review Board, which would go away if the measure is approved by voters. What a moment we are in. It is at once one of sadness, hope, and opportunity. Sadness for the family of George Floyd and so many others. Hope that this moment is a lasting pivot to a more just world for Black, Indigenous, and people of color. Opportunity to make government more responsive, inclusive, and accountable. I join with Portlanders who want their values of community safety aligned with the policing and emergency response delivered by the city of Portland. I am attentive to the voices of people who have been left out of the benefits of government while carrying more than their share of its burdens. And the work of the auditor's office reflects and prioritizes that awareness. I also know that so much more needs to be done. This moment is also one in which decisions made in haste may have us looking back in a few years, wishing we'd proceeded with a bit more care to get it right. The proposal under consideration today is presumed to be in response to demands for a di different police oversight system. Not a better system, just different. We can't tell if it would be better because we haven't had time for due diligence, to weigh the pros and cons, to understand the hurdles to implementation, or to simply have our questions answered. We haven't had a moment to help the public understand that officers in the proposed system will be held to the same work rules that exist today unless they are changed, and that the same legal protections will also apply. Those of us who've worked daily in civilian oversight know the obstacles and how hard they are to change. Magical thinking won't make these existing constraints go away. I appreciate the dilemma. There is an urgent call for change. People are in the streets. Emotions are running high. Do something, city council, do something. I urge you, however, to do the smart thing so the people of Portland get a better oversight system, not just a different one. I urge you to do what only the four of you can do, govern through a fraught time, hew to the values of sound public governance, transparency, integrity, accountability, and inclusion. None of those values have been present in the development of this proposal. You are being asked to refer an unvetted, unrefined model of oversight that throws out the best of what works in the current system for a hazy promise of something better down the road. It rests on a foundation of misinformation repeated over and over from here to there with such constancy that the truth cannot compete. You are being asked to write with a permanent pen instead of a pencil to imprint unvetted concepts in charter that could easily be put in city code and remedied if they prove to be unwise or unworkable. Are you prepared to commit to spend as much on this oversight model in perpetuity as you do for the entire auditor's office? That's what guaranteeing the proposed model's budget and charter would do. Are you prepared to lose the civilian oversight, expertise, cultural competence, and years of experience that exist today when the public servants who dedicate themselves to police accountability drift away for a more certain future? That's the likelihood, as it will take years before the committee described in this proposal 
figures out the details, and works through the policy, legal, and contractual issues. A thoughtful schedule of code changes paired with a transition plan would be a better course ahead than the chaos that will result in civilian oversight in the interim. Please do not take lightly your duty to ensure that a referral from this council to the ballot signals to the voters that it is ready for their consideration. There may be a time when this proposal, fully developed, vetted, and tested, will be worthy of such a vote. November 2020 is not that time. Commissioner Joanne Hardesty sponsored the resolution. I want to be really clear. Uh, change is hard. And I understand that for some, these changes may be daunting. They may seem overwhelming. But I want to assure Portland that this is about community accountability and community safety. As long as we have a police force, and I know there are advocates for abolition, and even if you agree with abolition, abolition won't happen tomorrow. So we should have a system to hold our police accountable to community standards and norms. Um, again, I want to reiterate to Portland police officers and their family, there should be nothing to fear in this reform if they're committed to serving the community. This new measure will make them better and will make new officers who join them better. This is about being accountable to each of us, the officers and the community. I encourage us to embrace this opportunity to make our community safer. Together, piece by piece, we will have the opportunity to build a new, more just, community that will include safety of every member, not at the expense of anyone else. Portland City Commissioner Chloe Udaly. I want to say that I do share some of the concerns expressed by the auditor, and I'm just going to trust that Commissioner Hardesty and her team and we as a uh, city council will be mindful of some of the potential pitfalls of this process and uh, adjust as we move forward. I do support referring uh, this to the voters. Portland City Commissioner Amanda Fritz. We know that the current system is is not is is failing to hold um, the officers who do not follow the policies and who violate the community members' rights and, and kill them. It's not holding them accountable. So we've tried. I agree with Commissioner Daly. I believe we do have to um, work on um, supporting the staff in the independent police review um, department in the auditor's office and assisting them and, and maybe looking at are there any changes that are possible in, and desirable in the next 18 months. We need to negotiate changes in the contract that are in the interest of the public and therefore inherently in the interest of police officers who must realize that the changes need to happen um, to rebuild trust with the community and heal the relationships. Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler. At the end of the day, we're asking the public to decide. And so there's a lot of work that has to be done between now and November. At the end of the day, it's the public that gets to decide, thumbs up or thumbs down. But let's give it our best shot. Let's work together. Let's see if we can get some of the unanswered questions and concerns addressed prior to this going on to the ballot. And Commissioner Hardesty, I look forward to your continued leadership and the work that you're going to do uh, on this effort. Uh, along with all of us as we move this towards the November ballot. 
I'm counting on Commissioner Hardesty and her leadership to ensure that the aspirations of this proposal become realized aspirations. Portland voters will decide the issue in the November general election. The Rose Festival finally has a queen. iHeartRadio's Paul Lindman says that's normally a selection that's made before the Grand Floral Parade in early June. How weird is that? Here we are, 1st of August, end of July. Rose Festival is a June event. Well, it's a weird year, right? And because of the pandemic, the usual judging panel that selects the Rose Queen from our high school princesses, uh, not able to come together this year. And so it was the court itself, the princesses, that chose the queen from their group. And that queen is Anya Anon. She's from Lincoln High School. She's uh, been quite busy in her high school years and is going to get busier from this point on, I have a feeling. She joins us live this afternoon on the Mark Mason Show. Anya, congratulations and thanks for being with us this afternoon. Hi, thank you so much for having me. You know, do you happen to know when the last time the court made the selection of the queen? Is that top of mind for you? I don't know off the top of my mind, but I know it's been a long time. I'll tell you when. It, it was 1930. The first, oh, wow. the first year the Rose Festival started selecting princesses from area high schools. And so you're, you're a history maker. First time, yeah. first time since 1930. And it's got to make you feel good that your peers uh, decided to give you the crown, huh? Yeah, for sure. Now, talk about your high school career. You were co-president of the student body. I understand what else were you involved with? Yeah, so that was one of the big things my senior year, co-president of the student body. Um, I was also the president of the South Asian Student Union at my school. And I was in, uh, in school, I was also in choir. That was a big part of my high school experience. And you were president of something called REAL, R-E-A-L. Tell us about that. Yeah, so that stands for Rural Education and Literacy. And it's a nonprofit group that works to raise money for different projects in rural parts of India. And it's a youth-based group. So did you travel to India? And, and what, if so, what did you do there? Yeah, so um, I've been to India a couple times, but I went the year before my sophomore year specifically to visit one of the projects that we help raise money for in India. And I actually stayed in the village that, um, that the school is in and worked with the girls. And it was an all-girls school. Um, and I worked with them to see kind of what their experience was what our money was going towards, and to see what school was like there. What was your takeaway from that experience, Anya? Here you are going to Lincoln High School, uh, pretty nice town you live in. What, what was your takeaway after your visit to, to the uh, underprivileged areas of India? Yeah, it was really such an incredible experience because I know a lot of times here, I hear a lot at Lincoln and at other schools that a lot of kids dread going to school and it's a lot of hassle for them to go to school. They don't like, you know, doing whatever it is. Um, but these girls were so excited to be learning. They, this, um, this school is in a village that traditionally doesn't allow for girls to be educated. Um, they mainly want girls to stay in the home to help out with the family. So this school was created specifically for girls to be educated, and they could not be happier to be learning. And it was such a humbling experience to see how excited they were, even with less than basic facilities. 
I can't imagine. And you're giving your time and attention and, and talents to that cause. Uh, that's just fantastic. Talk about college. What What's happening for you next year? Yeah. So um, I've committed to UC Davis in California to study psychology. Um, I'm actually not going to school on campus, at least for the first part of college. I've decided to do online learning from home. Um, yeah, that's that's what's next. Why UC Davis? I really wanted to stay on the West Coast. I'm a sucker for the West Coast. Um, <laughs> and I love it so much. Um, and I also wanted to go to a school that was far enough away from home, but not too far. So it was easy to come back home um, because I do love Portland so much. Um, and then they just had a really good um, pre-med track that I wanted to be a part of because I know that I want to go to med school and become a doctor. So, All right, last question. Uh, normally, by this time of the year, the Rose Festival tells me the court has visited maybe 100 different locations. Uh, you and your court have been to about a dozen because of yes. well, all reasons we know why. Our lives are not the same these days. Do you feel like you've been kind of, you know, it's not really fair? What, what are your thoughts about not getting to do what other courts have previously done? Yeah. Um, no, for sure. At the beginning of um, the travel season or when we found out that we weren't going to be able to have a travel season, I was really upset. I definitely wanted to be in the parades and have all the experiences that past courts have had. But, um, you know, life happens. It, this is happening and there's nothing we can really do about it. So I'm just thankful that my family is happy and healthy. All of my Rose Court sisters' families are happy and healthy. And we were able to do even a shortened version of it. And we are an iconic court that had to wear face masks. And we will forever go down in history for that. So <laughs> it might be even a little bit better. <laughs> Great attitude. That's Queen Anya Anand from Lincoln High School, the 2020 Rose Festival Queen. Thanks for joining us on Local Voices. You can hear past episodes on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Brad Ford. Local Voices is a public affairs presentation from iHeartRadio. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.